Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So over the past few weeks, um, several of us in this room have taken part in Meals for Six, which has been really good fun. It's been nice to kind of eat in people's homes again or, or gardens and, and just see people. Um, so let me ask, in, with that in mind, and as restrictions are easing, what kind of host are you when you have people over for, your, for dinner or to come and hang out with you? Are you someone who gets really, really stressed beforehand about how clean the house is? Are you someone who does like a 24-hour deep clean before you have anyone set foot in the house? Are you the kind of person who's just really chilled and, like, you know, loves having people over? Um, you know, there are some people that when you go out to their house, you feel like you're at home because it's just so relaxed and um, they make you feel so welcome. Or maybe you're like me and you kind of, you're enjoying people over in your house. It's nice and you like it, but you can't help but look at all the mess being created and worry about the cleanup. Um, let me ask another question. Let's say this afternoon you had a very special visitor come into your house. That person was Jesus. Uh, Jesus physically comes to your house this afternoon for dinner. How would you respond? How would you handle that situation? Well, as we continue our series of looking at meals with Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, we've got a story this morning about that very thing happening. Jesus entering into the home of a lady called Martha and her sister Mary. And in that story, we see two very different responses to Jesus' presence. So our passage is Luke 10, from verse 38. It will come up on the screen, and I'll read it out as well. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my, <clears throat> that my sister, excuse me, has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So we have two people who make two different choices, and that leads to two different responses to the presence of Jesus. Martha is making dinner. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha is busy. She's stressing about the preparations and the things that need to be made. But Mary seems relaxed and unconcerned about these things. Martha wants to make sure that everyone knows She's busy. You can picture the scene, can't you? She's in the kitchen and maybe she's being extra forceful at putting the things down so you can hear it. Or maybe when she's mixing, she's just a little bit more vigorous so the sound travels so Mary can hear it. Maybe there's just over the, slightly over-the-top unnecessary tuts and sighs as she's doing things. Just loud enough that she can be heard. And let's be honest, we all know someone like that, don't we? We all know somebody who is grudging in their help grudging in their service and the kind of person who wants everyone to know that they're helping somebody else and getting no help in return. And that's what we see with Martha here. 
And in the end, her, her frustration with the, the situation boils over and she says to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You see, Martha's response to Jesus being in her home is to make demands of him. She's trying to get him to help her to get Mary to help. You can tell the siblings, can't you? On the other hand, Mary is enjoying the presence of Jesus. Now, both women have made a choice. So why have they chosen different things? Well, let's look at what Jesus says to Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. Now, when I was... Um, preparing this, I read a really excellent blog on the website called Desiring God by a lady called Lisa Chan. And she says, um, it's worth reading, she kind of goes into this passage and I've stolen some good ideas from that. And she says that we tend to think about things in three categories. Things that I must do, maybe that's eating or I must pay the bills. Things that I should do, like exercising or cleaning the fridge. And things that I want to do, like going out for dinner or eating chocolate. And that's how we tend to think about our activities. But Jesus says only one thing is necessary. Think of it like this. Imagine that God has invited you to a great banquet and on the table in front of you is everything you'll ever need. Comfort, joy, wisdom, peace, forgiveness. It's all there in front of you. How would you respond? What would you do? Would you go and sit next to Jesus and take everything that you need until you are truly satisfied? Or would you grab a quick bite and run off and do something else? We see Mary. Mary sees the banquet and she gets stuck in. Whereas Martha is waiting outside. Now, I want to just stop and I want to say I really sympathise with Martha. I don't want to be too hard on her because ultimately she's doing a good thing. Like she's making dinner. Someone's got to cook dinner, right? If Jesus comes around, he's going to want to eat and someone's going to prepare the food. So this isn't about her making dinner. And as an aside, just as an aside, a little freebie, a little tidbit, this story is not an excuse to come off rotors, right? <laughs> He hasn't, he hasn't paid me to say that. I actually was talking to someone who um, has preached this passage and saying I was doing it, and, and they said that when they preached it, um, someone came up to them and, and said, oh, thank you. I realise now I need to be more like Mary, so I'm coming off the rotor. Um, and I actually knew a guy years ago um, who left church, um, and one of the reasons why he left church and took his family out of church was because the early church didn't have rotors. And unfortunately, I was too young and lacking in biblical knowledge to point him to Acts chapter 6, where people are appointed to oversee the distribution of food to widows, which looks a lot to me like a rotor. Yeah, Rotors are good. <laughs> so the issue with Martha isn't what she's doing. It's not that she's cooking dinner, and that's the problem. It's, it's how she's doing it. Because the common error that people can make, like those people that I just mentioned, is that they can look at this passage and think that, that serving Jesus and being in his presence are mutually exclusive things. But they're not. 
it's possible and in fact necessary to do the things of service for him whilst consciously being aware of and enjoying his presence. But too often we can allow the good things that we do to become the main focus, a bit like Martha. So when they should be the overflow of our focus of being in the presence of God, instead they become the thing. And with Martha and with us, when we do the same thing, instead of the overflow of our hearts being joyful service, it's anxiety. She's upset and worried by many things because she's not making the main thing the main thing. And we've all been there. We've all been there. I can think of times in my life where I've realised that I've put my job first or um, put my own sort of comfort and um, free time before the things of God. It doesn't lead to satisfaction. But when our hearts are inclined to focus on the one necessary thing, we put aside all those distractions and we stop at nothing to get to that thing. Um, when I was a child, uh, my hero was Eric Cantona. Behold, collar turned up. I used to wear my football shirts like that too. Um, I was a massive United fan, and this is about 93, 94. I was about eight or nine years old. Um, me and my mate went to the cliff, which is our old training ground up in, up in Broughton. Um, and... Um, we were getting the autographs of the players. And one by one, the players all came out and all the kids would run over and the players would dutifully sign our autographs. And I got Ryan Giggs, who was cool, uh, although maybe not a good example with the news this week. Um, Lee Sharp, he was awesome. Andrew Kinchowskis, another favourite. That was great. But the one we waited for was Cantona. The one we really wanted was Cantona. And he was last to emerge. Um, and when he came out, I was actually in a, in a queue with some of the kids getting my autograph signed by another player. Um, and I heard this cheer, and I heard running, and I saw Cantona over there. So I got my last autograph and then made my way over. When disaster struck, a steward closed the gate, and I was alongside of it. There's this crowd of kids around Eric Cantona, and a gate, and me, and the gate was about as high as my head. And I was only that big, but it felt big as a nine-year-old. And I'm watching the kids come out one by one with their autographs, looking thrilled, um, until there's about one or two kids left, and the steward suddenly gets distracted. <laughs> and in that moment, only one thing mattered. <laughs> the thing I came for was to get his autograph, so I jibbed over the fence. And then it happened. Then it happened. Eric Cantona looks up and sees me running towards him and winks at me. <laughs> I'm genuinely not exaggerating when I say this is one of the best moments of my childhood <laughs> and one of my best anecdotes as an adult maybe one of my best life experiences who knows it's close they say don't meet your heroes because they disappoint you but if your hero is Eric Cantona that maxim isn't true and as a good obedient boy I, I, I followed the rules I didn't sing with my mask on in the past six months I'm that kind of person who, who likes to follow authority but nothing was going to distract me from getting to the autograph not even my propensity to be a good boy and obey the rules and that's what we see with Mary she isn't distracted she is focused on being in the presence of God she, she wants to be with him and nothing will get in the way so, let me ask by, let me finish even by asking two questions. 
Why do we need to be in the presence of God? And how do we do it? So let's start with the first question. Why do we need to be in, the, in God's presence? More than ever, I've been a Christian for 18 years, maybe. I am convinced more than ever that we need to be transformed by the presence of Jesus in such a way that we live lives that are radically different to the people around us because the world really needs it. It's also for our own good, right? As we are in God's presence, as we are with Jesus, it means our minds are renewed and our hearts are reorientated towards him. But also the world around us needs to see this too. Because if we look like and sound like and think like and act like the people around us, then how will people know that we're Christ's ambassadors representing him? So we have to choose to not let good things become the thing. Because the truth is, if we're not finding fulfilment in the presence of God, we'll be trying to find it somewhere else. And it probably isn't bad things that we're trying to find it in. It's probably good things, like Martha was doing. And we're all involved in lots and lots of good things, aren't we? we we've got, you know, many of us have got jobs, we've got families, we've got relationships, we've got, we've got money. It's not a bad thing. Many of us are involved in church ministry. It's a good thing. But each of these things has the potential to become more important to us than the one thing necessary. Now, notice in the story that Jesus doesn't actually intervene. He just lets Martha carry on about her business and seems to let her actually get increasingly caught up in frustration until she blows. He doesn't stop what he's doing walk into the kitchen and say, Martha, Martha, calm down, you're getting it all wrong. It's anywhere Martha comes to him. And when she does so, she exposes her wrong motivations because of her response. And that's when Jesus corrects her. And this is an important warning to us, right? Because it's a warning because we shouldn't assume that the things we are giving ourselves to are the best things. And that Jesus will just tell us if it's not. Or rather, Jesus' silence about the things that we give ourselves to is not necessarily an endorsement of how we've prioritised our lives. Instead, we have to ask him to continually test our hearts, to actively find out if we're still going after the best thing, or if we're being distracted by something inferior. So how do we get into God's presence? So it's like a big question, right? Well, it's only, it's only possible for us to do this because, of course, Jesus has paved the way for us by, by dying on the cross and by, by rising against life. And then when he ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our advocate, to dwell in us and to live with us and through us. But actually, how do we, how do we take that knowledge and go about engaging with the presence of God in our everyday, day-to-day lives? You know, tomorrow will we waking up and we might be tired and we might be going to work or getting the kids ready or whatever. How does it work then? Because we often talk about being in God's presence. But I I do sometimes wonder if it's one of those things that we regularly talk about but don't always understand. Certainly been my experience. Um, I've, I've been in a church, this church and churches like this, since I became a Christian when I was about 18. So 
half my life ago. And these are phrases that we use continuously. And um, we talk about pressing in and we talk about going deeper into the presence of God. And, um, but often we fail to explain what that means. And I'm the kind of person who needs to know how something works. I'm very practical. So when someone's making a plan or telling me something, I'm thinking all the time, well, how's that going to work out practically? So when people talk about we need to be in the presence of God, I'm thinking, well, what does that look like for me when I'm in my house, when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm disciplining my children? So this disconnects between what was being said, good things, absolutely things that I agreed with and, and knew were worth pursuing, and what I'm thinking I'm supposed to be doing practically often led me feeling quite frustrated and, and making, made it feel to me that this idea of being in God's presence was unattainable in the day-to-day. And I'm, no me- I'm by no means an expert on this. I'm, I'm still learning. So in order to try and land this and give us some practical encouragement and help, I decided to enlist some friends to help me. So um, I emailed a handful of friends, some are in this Uh, in this site and some not, and asked them a question. I asked them, what what does being in and enjoying God's presence look like for you practically? And there are five main categories that their answers kind of um, fitted into, and I'm going to talk through them before we finish. Um, Got some really great detailed answers, things I hadn't thought of myself and things that I had. And in no particular order, five things. The first one is mindset. So mindset is is how we think and what we tell ourselves. And of course, fundamentally, it starts with reminding ourselves that we are never not in God's presence. Um, Sometimes the language we use can be unintentionally unhelpful because it almost seems like we have to beckon Jesus to be with us. Does anyone remember Shooting Stars, the TV show? Yeah, a couple of nods. Dove from above. Yeah, we don't have to beckon Jesus down. Cool, you know, like the dove from above. Is that too niche a joke? Probably. Scratch that one. We can cut that out, can't we, in a recording? When we remind ourselves of the truth that he is constantly with us, it makes it so much easier to just enjoy his presence because at any moment we can speak to him or listen to him. And we can know that he is right there with us all the time. There's no magic formula we have to punch in or, you know, chance to say to kind of bring him to us. He's here. That also means that we don't need to be deterred by interruptions. This is a great piece of advice. I'm going to credit Claire with this one. Um, this came from her. Um, God is with you before you got interrupted. And he's with you when the interruption comes and you need to go and change a nappy. And he's with you after the nappy has changed. And he'll, he's there all the time. We don't lose God's presence when we go and do something else in our life. We still have to serve people. God doesn't disappear. He's with us all the way through that. That's an important mindset shift. And linked to that is, is being aware because God is always with us, he could always be speaking to us at any time. So maybe when you're doing something, maybe when you're out for a walk or you're listening to music or you're driving or, or whatever, your attention might be drawn to something. It's worth asking the question, what are you trying to say, Jesus? Are you trying to tell me something with this? This is an unusual thing to have my attention drawn to. Maybe God is trying to speak. 
And then we can say, well, have our ears open. Be aware that Jesus might be trying to teach us something or tell us something or encourage us in some way in that moment. And it means that we're reminding ourselves that everything we do in our day-to-day lives is done out of dependence on God rather than in confidence in, in ourselves. So that's the mindset shift that we have to, have to go through. The second thing is, is worship. The second category is worship. So worshipping God either together in church, which has been great to do this morning, singing together, um, or in community group, or just alone. Worshipping God is really, really important, and it's an important way that we can enjoy his presence. Perhaps it might be listening to and just absorbing the words of a, of a worship song or singing along to it as we go about. Um, I had a, a few people literally say, I sing worship songs as I do the dishes. There seems to be something very spiritual about washing the pots or driving the car. One person um, recites short devotional prayers from a prayer book, and they find it's really, really helpful to focus their minds on worshipping God. And worshipping God is an act of the mind, so we need to be thinking about him and, and thinking about his character or his goodness or the fact that he has saved us. Or maybe the majesty of his creation. This is a big one for me. I love thinking about creation. Seeing beautiful scenes of nature, seeing the bigness of God draws me to worship. Maybe we want to be worshipping God for the, thinking about the good things he's given us, our, our friends, our family, our church, our health, great weather great food, all gifts from God, and we can be thinking about these things and worshipping him for the good things he's given us. Thirdly, meditation. Now, a word that's maybe misunderstood, and, but actually to meditate simply means to focus our attention onto a particular thought. This isn't about emptying our brains, it's about activating them. So it means Maybe we're paying attention to phrases in scripture, really zoning in on a few words and, and asking God to kind of let that reflect, uh, marinate into us, I guess, and, and letting our minds think deeply about what is being said. Maybe it's in a book or in a song. Um, Philippians 4, Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's meditation. We're thinking about good things. We're thinking about um, God's word. One person said that watching the sunset out the window is a similar experience because it helps them to think about and meditate on God's glory. I love um, meditating on space um, and the bigness of space, right? I get blown away by facts about how big the solar system is and the universe. And actually, that makes me think about the one who created it all. Linked to this um, is being still. Psalm 46 tells us that God wants us to be still and know that I am God. So being still and, and contemplating something about God's character or words from Scripture can help us to focus our minds onto him. And to create space to hear God's voice as he speaks to us. Now, being still is like the hardest thing for me. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a doer. Um, and if I'm not doing something, I'm thinking about doing something. This is what I'm having to really wrestle with. Um, like what it means to be still and not be thinking. Because I, I can empty my you know, distracting thoughts about what I'm supposed to do. But then a song comes into my head. 
maybe I've not listened to that song for years, but it just appears in my head. I've got to think of a way wrestling with this. And there's a really good book that um, Claire Biggs lent me called um, Practicing the Presence of God, I think it's called, which talks about kind of how we win that battle for our mind to just empty our brain from distractions and be thinking about God, which I would highly recommend to you. Uh, number four, disciplines. Now, we can think a bit negatively about the word discipline, um, but actually, disciplines are an important part of our toolkit for encountering the presence of God in our daily lives. And of course, that means praying and reading the Bible, hugely important. Um, and of course, we don't want to do this out of obligation, but because we want to do it. But the truth is, there are some times we just don't want to pray or read the Bible because we're lazy or we're distracted. Um, and there was, there was a, a phrase that someone um, messaged me in, in response to this, which I thought was really helpful, and I'm going to just read it out. Um, he said, it's, it's better to do a good thing out of a sense of duty rather than doing nothing at all. So that means that actually there's a discipline in doing these things, even if we don't feel like it. And, and being disciplined to maybe carve out time in the day to be actually intentional about saying, I'm going to carve out five, ten minutes to, to read the Bible or to pray. Another person talked about the habit that they've developed of, of praying and reading the Bible every morning and evening. And, and I know this wasn't the case always for this person because it was Becky. Um, so I know full well it wasn't always the case that she used to do this, but she has worked the, to cultivate the particular habit and made it a discipline that she does. And I have to say, I've seen the benefits of that in her. Last. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> Lastly, um, experiential. This is when we encounter God's presence in a very real and obvious way. Um, now, any of the previous four things can lead to this, but sometimes and often maybe they don't. And all the previous things have little to do with our feelings. But there are occasions when we're together or when we're alone, when we have the tangible sense of the presence of God and we can feel and experience it. And it can affect our emotions as well. A few people mentioned, and this is a big one for me as well, that they, they feel, tangibly feel God's presence when in community, when they're sharing life, when they're praying, when they're um, meeting together in community groups. It's been great to be back together face-to-face, and doing that recently. I've definitely experienced that sense of God is with us. I can really feel God's with us as we're praying together. Others have talked about um, times that they've been caught up in worship, um, and it's just this very real sense. For me, it's like a heaviness in the room. I almost like feel heavy presence in the room, that the Spirit of God is close. And this can sometimes lead to what we sometimes call a manifestation of the Spirit. And our emotions are often affected. We might feel overcome with, with joy and gladness and, and, and praise. Or, or sometimes we can become convicted in those moments of our dependence on God or even convicted of sin we need to deal with. These are the things that God can do when he is, is tangibly close to us, experientially. And in these moments as well, we often experience and, and enjoy the, the gifts of the Spirit. Of course, we may hear God speaking to us prophetically. We may, be, we may praise him in tongues um, we may even receive supernatural faith to see people healed from sickness. And I can think of times where I've had that privilege where God has just given me a, it's gonna, this is going to happen. Like, we're going to pray for this person, they're going to get healed, and it's happened. It's amazing. 
And that's not something that com- comes from me. That's definitely a, I can feel God is rising faith in me for this. Now, each of us is different. Um, and we've got different ways that we find it easier or harder to, to be encounter and experience God's presence every day and that's why I wanted to share different people's views because if I just talked about me it might lose half the room because I'm not everybody here Um, but all of these all of them require us to make a choice all of them require us to activate something to take the first step to be active and not passive just like Martha had to make a choice when Jesus came to her house just like Mary made a choice as well. So too do we. Choose to go after the one necessary thing or something inferior. Jamie, would you mind coming back, please, while we, while we wrap up? I want to pray for us. I want us to, to respond. Um, I want to pray that we would encounter God in our day-to-day. As we move into a, a, this new season... A new, a new venue for, for CCM Kingsway feels like a, a new era of life is happening for us as restrictions are lifted. Um, I want to pray that we're the people who are marked by the presence of God. That actually, as we think about reaching the Heatons and beyond, we'll do so as a people who are full of the Holy Spirit, changed by being in God's presence transformed in the renewing of our minds and in the orientation of our hearts.